Hi, this is Basic Snitches. Brian is still here. He has an inflatable club. I have a club. That he's gonna. He's, he's currently beating Tara to death. No. <laughs> that just made me think of what you told Berkeley not to touch the. Tree. Oh my God! Okay, I don't know if we've talked about this. You haven't. You need to tell people this, this might, story. Was this in our last recording session? That mm-hmm. feels like it was eons ago. Tara and I, we watched The Happiest Season on Hulu, and it was very cute. Mm. And during that time, Berkeley had gotten onto this end table that was right next to the Christmas tree at my house, and she, like, raised her paw to, like, swat at the tree, which, by the way, I wrapped in garden netting, because now I have a third cat, and in the past, Busby and Berkeley alone ripped that thing to shreds. So she gets up, and she's about to swat the tree, and I'm like, Berkeley, no, in, like, a fell swoop as if like this she meant bitch. to do it she went from swatting in the tree to like licking her paw like I'm she not did doing she anything. did one of these like she was it was it like was <laughs> fucking hysterical i, I was, was like so okay this is why you're my smart cat if i were to say that to baxter he would be like oh i'm ignoring you Berkeley was like but he would mm, say it loudly i'm not doing anything he's a loud fucking asshole i'm not doing anything oh also i'd like to report that all her cats are cohabitating a little bit better. Busby and Bentley are kind of in the same room together and they're they're fine and Bentley is starting to mellow out, so that is good news. So a little while ago we got a lovely surprise called Brian came to the house. You know that if you listen to the last yes, episode. And we have been sharing our wine and snacks. And yeah. it's been lovely. We have a Brian kind of in the background. He did not read this chapter prior to this. And he is a weapon. He did not realize not how far behind we were because we get so caught up because we don't have interaction with people that we don't work with outside of this podcast. I did not realize when you said you were far behind that you meant an entire <laughs> So Brian is now stuck with us and we're getting him very drunk on wine. That's fine. And we have lots of And snacks. he has a weapon. And he has a weapon now. So far I have survived. I beat that bitch with a bat. That bitch is that me and Tara. Wait, wait. I beat that snitch with a bat. I yes? beat that snitch with a bat. Keep this going. Is, I'm going to edit this into something. This is, is going to be the episode opening. Keep going. I beat that snitch with a bat. 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 loser of this chapter <laughs> me guess what we have another tie guys for winner okay wait let me think about this is it <laughs> looks at my points to wow. think if that did similar is it serious and haggard it's serious and hermione oh okay okay i mean uh if you listen to the last episode you understand why again hermione's fucking great and just i love the serious is there mm-hmm. for harry as best as he can be because he got to be a firehead the loser is ludo bagman <laughs> the loser is igor karkaroff i knew it I don't yes know why i bother tell me what it is that excuse me if you go back to the episode that was published this week i not? said in every episode that i would mention ludo bagman for every you single you did he did actually although say that. ludo bagman loses this chapter there's not a lot of people to lose this chapter. Ludo Bagman is creepy in this chapter. You aren't going to win until our next fucking recording session, bitch. Well, that's going to be in two weeks. Well, too bad. You are a trifling little... So the loser but- of chapter butter, 19... Buttercup. Aw. Butthole. But I was going to start with butt one way or the loser other. Loser of chapter 19, Igor Karkaroff. Because Igor Karkaroff, the end. If I called you something that begins with butt, what would you want that to be? Don't look at him. This is a question for you. None of the things that begin with butt, actually. Butterfly? Zero, zero butts. Butterfinger? Yeah. Nope. Butt munch? Butt stuff <laughs> Butt soup? <laughs> butt soup? <laughs> butt soup it is. Jesus Christ. Oh, someone read a thing. One of you can do it. I oh, wrote it. Me. Yeah, so Adam wrote a thing, but I'm going to read it. Why don't you guys both read it? No, I don't want to read it. You read a sentence, then Brian read a oh, sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll sit here also, drink this wine. Read, read the thing. I'm read thing. <laughs> Chapter something. The first task. Harry and Hermione head to the library to start looking for a simple charm to help Harry tame his dragon. I mean, all he has to do is drink whiskey, right? Yeah, I'm not done with dick jokes. Not now, not ever. I feel like that was meant for Tara. <laughs> it's meant for everybody. Speaking of dicks, in particular, one that Hermione really wants to trificus totalis, even though she acts like she doesn't. Victor comes 
Uh, Victor <laughs> comes up to also study, which ruffles Hermione's feathers so much that they go back to the common room so that she can probably hump a pillow. The day after, Harry tracks down Cedric in the hall on the way to Herbology, rudely destroys his bag in an effort to catch up to him. I mean, he can magic that back together, right? And then tells him that the first task is dragons. Cedric looks confused and suspicious. Suspicious, you say? Right on cue, Moody takes Harry to his office filled with many strange contraptions. Not the same type of contraptions that Snape and Filch have in their sex dungeon, but dark detectors? <laughs> Very interesting. He gives Harry some advice, so much for the whole rule where professors can't help strike too, and asks what he's good at, as his skills will help him in the task. Harry's like, nothing. And Moody says, you're good in shit if I say you are, before asking him what his best assets are, to which Harry responds, Quidditch. And then he proves that he's not really that great at anything after all, when Moody is like, so you should summon something that will help you fly, and that would be, uh, Ford Angula? Buckbeak? What? Gee, I don't know, Moody. What else can fly? Beats me! <laughs> Despite forgetting what a fucking broom is, Hermione then spends the rest of the day and evening, except for divination, hearts, 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 teaching Harry an actual summoning charm. Flitwick is nervous for his job, Quinn. My god, this chapter is long. That's actually written there. It says, my god, this chapter is long. Next day, time to fight the dragon. McGee comes, and she's so assuring and amazing as always, and drops him off at the tent where the champions are gathering. Bagman is a bubblegum bitch again, all excited being like, you're gonna fight dragons. You just gotta get the golden egg. Now come and choose your dragon. And what a surprise. Harry gets the Hungarian whortail. Did I just say Hortail? Does <laughs> anybody hear Hungarian? Please tell me what it is. Because if you are, you're, you're a Hungarian Hortail. My stepdad is Hungarian. Well, he's a Hortail. Well, I know. And what a surprise. Harry gets the Hungarian Horntail. It's not like the previous chapter's title didn't give that away or anything. I mean, really, chapter 19 could have been titled Madame Maxime and Hagrid Fuck in the Woods. And then this chapter could have been called the Hungarian Horntail. <laughs> You know I'm right. Then things get creepy for a sec when Bagman pulls Harry aside and is like, Hey, sweet baby, you need pointers? <laughs> Wait, hold on, pause. Pause the shit. <laughs> so when I wrote this, I was picturing Tara reading this, but I could not have hoped for that to go better than <laughs> For the record, I would have read it well, but not this Not well. like that! <laughs> hey, baby. Hey, sweet baby. <laughs> <clears throat> and then pulls off the Ludo Bagman mask to reveal that it's been Lockhart all along. <laughs> now I'm dead. Am I wrong? This is why they didn't put him in the movie! Harry is fourth in line, so he has to sit in that tent sweating bullets listening to the other three confront their dragon and claim their egg. It's his turn. He successfully Accio's his, um, what was that thing called again? Uh, broom! Oh yeah, Axio, 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 Broom! <laughs> I'm actually dead now. He gradually strategically figures out he has to lure Mama Dragon away from her eggs. And when he finally is successful, he dives in and claims his prize. He's also the quickest to do so. Yas, Quan! Once the scores come out, he's also tied for first with Crumb. And we learn that Igor Karkaroff really is that girl we knew she was. A trifling one. After everyone is all like, yay, Harry, you the best! Including McGee, Hagrid, Moody, Charlie Weasley, Hermione, and plot twist, Ron! He realizes that someone clearly had to put his name in the Flamer Cup because only someone with a death wish would put themselves up to this. They make up and make out, but you know who's not very happy about this? Quen Promfrey, who says the most intelligent thing ever that not a single person has brought up to this point. Why we got so many dangerous creatures at this motherfucking school? That's what she sounds like. Yup, that's her voice. <laughs> I will never hear she, it again. She's like, I got a really heavy Brooklyn <laughs> accent. Why the fuck are you always getting bitten by spiders and shit? That impoverty is the fucking best. First, he realizes that Sirius, as a firehead, was like, all you need is a simple spell. Sirius says what Moody says in a less intimidating way. My first thought was, was Sirius alluding to using Akio to summon something, or was there another simple spell that he could have used? So, I wonder about that, because Akio seems like a simple spell, but they're in their fourth year. Hermione really does teach him an incomplete charm overnight. They keep referring to it as a simple spell. First of all, 
spell. That's maybe the spell I would use the most if I were able oh, to do absolutely. them. absolutely. I would Akio those snacks to my mouth right now. I would Akio this wine to my mouth, even though I could reach it. You know what I would do? I'd be like, I misplaced this thing I haven't seen in forever. That's uh-huh. smart, but right okay. now I'm thinking about snacks, okay? Uh, guess what? Bentley's being a bitch and I need to spray <laughs> him with water. Akio Bentley. <laughs> I don't know that Darius is alluding to that specifically, but I feel like there's probably a lot of charms that are similar, Mm -hmm. like the official summoning charm of Akio. I don't know. That's an interesting question. Moody doesn't say it. He does in the fucking movie, but he doesn't give him that information. That's actually the most important thing that Sirius gives him as far as the task. It's going to be simple, whereas everything else regarding the task is basically him repeating everything Moody said. Akio should be something you should learn earlier on, don't you? I think so. Like, I was kind of shocked. Isn't it like the difficulty level, which is why they don't learn it until later? Yeah. Well, this is where he learns it, and he learns, he learns it, it in his fourth year. Well, but he learns it. He's supposed, supposed to be learning it in Charms this year because he's not getting it, and Flitwick gives him more homework, and he's not getting summoning spells. That's part of his frustration in this chapter because he's fucking distracted because he's overly taxed as a fucking 14-year-old child. Give him a break. Also in the book, which, which is interesting, because, again, the timeline of this, like, in the movie versus the book, which it matches up better here, but it's all over the place in the movie. We haven't even gotten to Moody part yet. Beforehand, he realizes, okay, there needs to be like a simple spell for this. They kind of talk about it. There's a brief moment where he considers running away from Hogwarts. Then he looks around, he's like, nah, fam, this is where I need to be. This is where I love this it. This place is lit. And then- I'm not um, gonna do it. That TikTok thing where he's like, I'm, I'm not gonna do it, bitch. I'm, I'm not gonna about do it. it. I'm just thinking about it. I, I did, did it. You did one of them. I did do one. That's great. I shaved my head. Harry on my hand is like, I'm not going to do it, girl. I'm just thinking about it. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Ever. Then at the bottom of the page, I think this says 339. That might be correct. In the version that me and Tara have, the narrator, in this case, says he finished his bacon with difficulty <clears throat> and then his throat wasn't working too well. And those are two things that Tara <laughs> has never said in her entire life. That's right. I always finish my bacon quite heavily. And she has a And there's very, no difficulty there. And she has a very efficient throat, if you know what I mean. Jesus Christ. And also- then she hunts down... Not she. I'm still on this Tara Harry thing. and I are the same Harry person. And, Harry and Tara... I was about to call you Hera. <laughs> Hera then goes oh, on Hera. the pursuit of Cedric. And he is like walking around. And then he sees Cedric on the top of the stairs and is like, oh my god, this is my chance. And he's like, Ripio. And he fucking <laughs> destroys his fucking I hope they reparoed that shit, okay? Yeah, well, I mean, he's not going to need that bag for long. So, <laughs> catch my drift. And so then he finally catches up to him. And Cedric's like, man, this is a new bag and everything. And Harry's like, dragons! And Cedric's like, what? Cedric the precious Hufflepuff. Just being like, wait, what? Why would Harry Potter be screaming dragons at me? He's like suspicious. Oh, he's so cute. Cedric is the original nice guy who we love. Moody comes out of the woodwork and is like, I heard you, come to my office. (laughs) And Harry's like, what the fuck did I do? Just like that. Because what did I do? Because, <laughs> what what <laughs> accent is that? What accent does Harry have now? <laughs> I don't know. Harry and I are the what same the person. What did I do? It's and me. I'm like, what the fuck did I do? Because Harry and I are the same person. It's me, Her- Hera. And I have to Hera. eat my bacon very strangely. Because my throat isn't working today. What the hell was that? That was my Neville Longbottom voice. That was you destroying your Neville Longbottom voice. Yeah, I really was. Hello, Harry. Please. What was even my line? I don't know, Ginny. Ginny was going to the ball. Hello, Ginny. Want to come to the ball with me? <laughs> Hello, it's me, Hera. That was I you destroying your vocal cords. Is what that was. My vocal cords are fine. You fucking butt soup. They're in Moody's office. They got all these contraptions. There's the secrecy sensor, which is the one that is like humming and it's like being able to tell that people are lying and stuff. There's obviously a sneakoscope, which we've already seen. The faux glass. The faux glass. Which is amazing and super important. Give me more information about the faux glass because when I first saw this, I was like, what is the faux glass? So the faux glass, just here he just says, I'm not really in trouble until I see the whites of their eyes. In the penultimate chapter, he brings him here and the faux glass is kind of, you know how we were talking about mystery in the last chapter and how we don't necessarily need this to be a mystery? That's a hint that Harry's going to be okay for the end of this book because 
if you pay attention to the faux glass in that chapter, because he's talking about his enemies and Harry notices in that chapter, he sees McGonagall, Snape, and Dumbledore in the faux glass. As enemies of Moody, those three should not be people who show up in this faux glass. So you know what this makes me think of? Cue the witchy music. We haven't actually had a segment like this in a while, but it makes me think of manifestation, signs and clues and stuff that everything is going to be okay. So a lot of times it's like synchronicities, like when you see repeating numbers, like 1111 is a common one. 444 is a great one to see, or seeing your actual birth date, like in the time. So for me, 1126, I actually see quite often. There are other symbols that suggest that your spirit guides or good energy is looking upon you. For example, for me, feathers is something that I always tend to see as being like a good symbol, meaning that, you know, there is someone there with you or some energy force that is trying to like guide you in the right direction. The other day, actually, I had ordered DoorDash. I went to the door and the DoorDash person was walking back to their car and I was like, shout thank you. And she was like, uh, so crazy thing, there was a hawk in your yard. and. In the corner of my yard, there was a whole bunch of feathers there. So feathers obviously being a good thing. And then I looked up, like, is there some hawk symbolism? And a hawk typically means that, like, you are about to elevate yourself or you are about to come into a new era of learning and insight and things like that, which I thought was really, really cool and, like, a really great symbol based on some of the things that I've been thinking about lately. It's interesting to hear that about this faux glass as being, like, a symbol of of seeing if things are kind of going your way based on being able to detect enemies, I guess. So that's my little take on it. Adam's Witchy Corner, since nobody wrote in and gave me a name. I like Adam's Witchy Corner. Adam's Witchy Corner. Witch bitch. Which bitch would be good too? Because you never know which bitch it is. Is it this bitch or is it that bitch? There she is. She just came back. She yeah, got another bitch. bottle of wine. So anyways, that's my take on the faux glass based on what you just said. But like faux glass definitely intrigued me a little bit. Then this is where he sits down with Harry and he's like, take your strengths and apply it here. And Harry's like, I don't know strengths. And he's like, bullshit. I say you're good at things if you, if I say... It's very confusing. It's, I mean, I really like, I like how he it does too, it. But it's very frustrating to me at the end of the day. He was actually a bad guy because Moody is so fucking likable. Yeah. He, and he this does, good this advice. chapter is so good. So basically this turns into Moody trying to encourage Harry. We learn later because he wants him to fucking make it to the last task, of course, and be in that position. But gives Harry kudos, I guess, for making the choice to go tell Cedric about the dragons. Yeah. And it's a very positive teacher-student moment. That, but also the fact of just, like, kind of pushing him forward to be like, okay, now think yeah. about, like, what can you use here? And to, like, this is what springs Harry forward into realizing he needs to fucking get his shit together and be able to do a summoning charm. Yes. And then he goes to fucking Hermione, who always saves the day. Well into the early morning. This is not to, like, downplay what Hermione does for Harry because she's so amazing. But I like to think that at least everyone that I associate with and call a good friend, that that's what you would do. Hermione is exceptional. She's a hard worker. She's smart. She already knows how to do this. If for any reason it were Hermione who were like, I can't deal with Harry and his drama bullshit of being in the center of attention right now. I've got Spew to deal with. And Ron were still by his side. I think Ron would do the same thing. He just can't. He's not smart and skilled in the way Hermione is, but he would still work really hard. They would be. This is very much. This is very much about survival and helping your friend. This is more about friendship and less about skill. I want to go back to the contract. It's a magical binding contract. If you put your name in the cup and the cup chooses you. But another rule was that professors can't help you. So now we have evidence of four professors helping. And that's, of course, Igor Karkaroff, Madame Maxine, Hagrid, and Moody. Why is there not anything magically binding around that as well? Because there isn't, it makes me think that the magical binding nature of the contract is not as strong as people make it out to be, or that there needs to be some additional information that we're was given to the champions back a few chapters ago when they were in the antechamber. I wonder about like the difference between contractual and rules. 
as someone who deals with contracts on a daily basis, all of this should be in the contract. They should have a contract that then has a Includes clause. the rules. That says, yes, yeah. you may not accept any help. Because also, we never got to the bottom of why is it magically binding or how is it magically binding. I'm not saying that it's necessarily a bad thing because it obviously pushes the narrative forward. Like, it's exciting that Harry is able to figure out that it's dragons ahead of time. And that he tells Cedric. It's just like someone breaking the rules. We just make sure no one important hears about. No one's telling, like, Mr. Crouch. Well, that- he's too busy, like, trigger warning. Putting his wrist in the bathroom. Next day, Murder Murder. He really is very. Murder is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, I don't want you to die in here. Go stay your wrist in some other bathroom. Sorry for that. That was maybe a little bit insensitive. Bless that man. He got a lot going on. I feel like if you're contracted to play with the team or whatever, the people who like get away with doing steroids or whatever, there's a level there. We don't get any examples of that. So maybe this is one of those other things where you're like, you don't really know what happens if you break a magical contract. But we probably shouldn't do it. We're not seeing it happen. Meanwhile, there are rules under there. It's just like Quidditch. If Cooch is taking a goddamn nap, she doesn't see Slytherin doing some bullshit, then she doesn't know they're cheating. You know what I'm saying? We already mentioned that we need lawyers up in this world to be able to describe this contract a little bit to the champions. Obviously, at some point, you know that they were at least given this information. Whether or not Karkarov sat down with Crom and was like, this is how you get past this dragon, we don't know. Well, we know that they told them. We know that they told them. Because, like, when they choose those dragons out the bag, they know. Oh. After this, obviously, Hermione is teaching him Akio like a bad bitch. They take a break for divination, which, of course, I have to mention in every episode. And while he's at divination, he is trying to Akio that fly into his hand. Mm -hmm. And there is a line that I really enjoyed in that maybe that fly was just stupid. He's like, I could feel good about myself, but also maybe that fly is stupid. That's also where he thinks Ron might laugh but he doesn't yes so this is one of the moments too where i think maybe ron is starting to regret how he's been behaving and being a little bit more open or i've been using the term softening in his approach with harry that's just a guess on my part i think more you're right i feel like parents can relate to this so ashley i'm directing this at you when your small child is being a fucking asshole and hilarious and you're like I can't actually acknowledge this as funny because I have to discipline you. It's that same kind of place where Ron is coming from here, where he's working so hard to not acknowledge Harry because he's trying to keep up this like front of being frustrated with Harry. Mm, they're 14 years old. So that's where like the baseline is, but they really should just like get out there and just be like, hey, this is what happened. Well, Harry got to get attacked by a fucking dragon first, then they'll get there, oh, okay? we'll get there soon. Could you please test the wine? This is... A Syrah. I can see it's a Syrah on the bottle. Okay, Syrah, Anyone? Syrah. Whatever, Whatever will be, will, will be. be. Do you know what Alfred Hitchcock movie that's from? No, I just remember my French teacher singing it in French class in high school. The Man Who Knew Too Much. Oh. It's really good. So yeah, she's teaching him Akio and everything amid all of this. We do have that little Ron moment. I already actually talked about this without meaning to, but... Regarding, like, the faux glass and manifestation, something else I thought about here was Akio being manifestation. Basically, like, saying, like, I'm asking you to bring this thing to me. If you're manifesting anything else out there, like, abundance or love or whatever, same sort of thing. I mean, it's not as literal as Tara taking a selfie of her with a (laughs) bottle of wine. (laughs) I just texted Emma about this. But basically the same thing. There's something else there to get into my, like, witchy bullshit. I love when you do witchy bullshit. I know. So after she actually teaches him how to do Akio, he goes to bed and wakes up and Maga is like, time to go and fight some dragons, bitch. Fight some dragons. Maga is very motherly here. God is so great in this book. She's she's great in everything. Uh, she, re, I was she about really to say is. she's great. <laughs> she is great. <laughs> ba 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 ba. I'm loving it. Sponsor us. <laughs> like, we know you got and, money. And not even in like a direct way in this scene, but this is just a reminder that she is very present in Harry's life as an adult figure. And that she's aware of the fact that he does not have a family support system at home. But she also has to balance that with being a teacher and a leader and the head of her house and all of that. She can't hover over him and molly coddle him. Like, she is... Molly coddle. Isn't that the word? Is it molly coddle? 
I think it's just Coddle, but... I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Molly is a character in the <laughs> series. I don't so. know. I am... Some wine has happened tonight. Do you know That's what I'm saying? Like, she is in such an interesting place, and she does such a beautiful job of balancing her relationship with Harry. She is very, like, now don't get up in your head. Do the best that you can. Nobody's gonna judge you if you fall short. So he goes in the tent. Bagman is like, woo, it's the first task. Everybody come on over. Pick your dragon out this little pouch. You can tell that all of the champions are very nervous. And that they all know what is about to They're happen. all nervous. And I love that we have this moment with all of them where you're like, it's not just about Harry. I mean, the series is about Harry, but these are three other children. They're We're all, still facing a fucking dragon. They're all like young. Sure, Harry's the youngest, but still 17, 18, like still terrifying stuff. Bagman lets everybody pick their dragon. The forgettable one, which is... Which goes to Fleur. Yeah. Trying to Fireball. That goes to Crumb. Swedish. Uh, the Swedish Short one. Short snout. The Swedish guy. The Ikea dragon goes to... Uh, the to Ikea Cedric. dragon. And then, <laughs> what a surprise. Guess which one the Harry gets. The Hungarian Horntail. Nobody saw that coming. Mm-hmm. There was no foreshadowing whatsoever. No. Nope. Then that's when Bagman says, Hey, Harry. Come on outside. I got something to say. Like, yeah, do you want some hints or some pointers? Harry's like, no, bitch. Some drugs? I know what I'm going to do. And he was like, no one would know what they're going to do. And he'd be like, excuse me, I'm the youngest champion ever. So fuck you. Hey, baby, coming out here. I want to show you something. Hey, baby, come into my corner. I'm going to show you my own personal I'm going to show you my bag, man. And Harry's like, ew, get away from me. And he's like, I'm just trying to get her golden egg. Go on and live. So Bagman goes away. He has to sit in this tent, listening to everybody, because he's also the fourth person mm-hmm. in line. They all tame their dragons outside. But Can we talk about how, like, they all had to have their wands weighed, and then they have to have their dragons tamed? Like This is some bullshit. I hope the second task doesn't have to do with dicks. It does. In what way do people have to do with dicks? No, it doesn't. <laughs> has to do with the wet place. Yeah. See, that's where I'm kind of going. It has to do something more with the vagine. We'll get there. Anyways, everyone conquers their dragon. It's Harry's turn. He goes out. He flies around a little bit. He's like, hey, dragon, come get me. Dragon's like, okay. He goes down and gets the gold mag. Boom. Everybody cheers. And he's the fastest. They do score individuals and <laughs> that fucking asshole Karkarov who's like four for Harry a ten for fucking Bagman Trump. gives yeah. Harry a ten which Harry's like didn't fucking so deserve that so the interesting thing to me is seeing some of these side characters like Bagman and Rita Skeeter almost like favoring Harry and this is one of those instances too eh I don't necessarily have more of an opinion than being like well this is interesting right now there's a draw to Harry his parents were murdered by Lord Voldemort he's the youngest competitor yeah. Yeah, he's like the underdog. People he's a hundred percent the underdog, and people tend to root for the underdog. I don't think Bagman is like some kind of attention whore and trying to get into the media and trying to be like, oh, Ludo Bagman's there for Harry Potter because he doesn't have anyone else. But he is drawn to Harry. Harry is an athlete, which is something that Ludo Bagman shares with him. That's fair. I think he is genuinely interested in Harry. Cedric is compared to Harry. He's very boy next door dull. He's wallpaper. He really is. And it's very sad because Cedric is a delight and he's a wonderful person. You could almost say the same thing about Fleur. Fleur and Crumb are a different category, I think, because they're from another school. Crumb is still like famous, quote unquote. I don't necessarily want to push aside Fleur either because we already talked about her kind of getting the bitch edit, if you will. We've already talked about this in this exact same way, but she's the only woman. She is portrayed as being the weakest. She's portrayed as being kind of the bitchy one. But also, if we're going to say, like, Cedric is kind of like, nobody knows about him. Fleur is kind of like in that same boat, too. And kind of pitting Harry against Crom, and not in like in a competitive kind of way, although the tournament does it on its own, but just being like, there is more than one celebrity here. This is Harry fucking Potter. He defeated Voldemort. No one understands why, but he is a name that everyone recognizes. And they associate with safety, this tragic, courageous story. For Rita especially, I think her game is easier to read because I think she's like, this is where the story is. Everyone's read about Crumb. That's old news now. 
Now it's fucking December, whatever. Harry is the story here because you're right, Fleur and Cedric are just kind of wallpaper here. Regarding this scoring, especially what happened to each of them. So Cedric was burned. Yeah. That could potentially have points reducted. Fleur, like, put a trance on her dragon. Her cloak got singed or Mm -hmm. something. Harry went in. He kind of got, like, sliced. Mm -hmm. But then he did it the most quickly. And then Crumb, the fucking dragon, like, smashed all the other eggs. So right there is, like, that's not a 10, clearly. Who got first place in that? Or second place? Because Harry got first. I don't know if they even said. Because it sounds like Fleur should have gotten second place. Well, to me, (laughs) I mean, it's Harry's story and everything. But, like, all things considered, Harry should have been first place. Mm Mm-hmm. Fleur should have been second place. Cedric should have been third. Crumb should have been fourth. But then we got E.R. Karkaroff over here, like, playing well, favoritism. And it's very clear that there's favoritism being yeah. played there, too. Now, if we're talking about the movie, which we'll get to in a second, Crumb might have killed those eggs, but Harry killed his whole goddamn dragon, which I feel like there should be some... Maybe Some he just knocked him out. I don't know. He also like destroyed the goddamn stadium. There was a lot. The stadium, the roof, that bridge. The there's there's, a, a, there's a lot of damage. You there's are a lot of insurance. For. It is a good oh thing there are wizards. Wizard here. insurance adjusters. Something else that we need. And oh my god, we're just making everything. Who so much wants better. that job? Not me. No, that sounds boring. So there is all of that. There's a lot of trepidation in the scene too. Both leading up to it and the actual scene. I do also like kind of tying back to what Maga said earlier too about like trying not to get in your head because the moment he's out there and the moment he has his broom, he's like in a safe space. I like that a lot. There's this like rebirth of confidence almost. Um, And then of course, after he gets his golden egg, there is a lot of celebration about him being best. Ron comes too, which is huge. That's a really big thing. Here's my confession. This time around, I was a little emotional about Ron coming back. Yeah, I can kind of see that. It's done in such a vulnerable way from both of their perspectives. Like Harry's also like, you know, thank you, but like you were also kind of a dick and then they hug it out and everything and it's all nice. When Harry's just kind of like no i don't need this apology the way ron's reacted to this moment was what harry needed ron doesn't need to say it out loud well and sometimes the apology is for the person apologizing to absolutely just like forgiveness i feel like if ron were to actually apologize to and just be like hey no i just need to do this for myself because like i said like i think he softens it's just really nice it's really a welcome moment it reminds me of the gryffindor versus ravenclaw match i think in the last book where it's very triumphant like there's all this worry and anxiety and then it switches over to confidence harry comes out on top everything turns out fine Everything's not fine. Like, there is still all this, like, peer judgment and everything, but things feel so it much better. It feels so better. much better for Harry because he has yeah. his best friend there. And I have definitely had times where I've read through this and I've been really annoyed with Harry being like, Hermione was also there for you and, like, whatever, you're not giving her credit. And then I'm like, he does give her credit. Yeah. But there's something about having a certain person. If I were to be kind of in a weird place with you, I still would appreciate the love and friendship I have with Brian and I would love him but there's still something missing. So are you saying that you're Harry and Brian is Hermione I'm usually well (laughs) I'm giving you as an example I think everyone can relate to this is that having a person that you love and care about who is a great friend who's sticking by you when you're having another frustrating time with another friend is really important and Harry actually does a nice job in the last several chapters of acknowledging Hermione being there for him and Hermione is probably just as relieved as Harry let's be honest I think so too we got a few little things to wrap up this chapter. They all get the egg. They're like, hey, guess what? The egg is your hint for the next thing. Why did they get a hint for the first one? Right? That was rude of them to not get a hint for the first one. And it feels weird because there's no hint for the third one either. Is there? They, I think, fucking tell them, don't they? Mm-hmm. take them to the... Yeah, because they take them to see the maze. Ah, and, and Harry right. and Cedric are like, but our book. Quidditch field, uh-uh. In the and movie, then, they, like, cut out 16 chapters and suddenly it's the end of yeah, the fucking book. Uh, no, in the book, Well, our episodes are going to get really easy soon then. <laughs> Wouldn't it be interesting if, Which like, Benjamin and Crouch, and I don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt because, of course, this wasn't the case because both of them suck. 
But wouldn't it be interesting if both of them were like, okay, we know you're cheated, so let's just give you a hint this time. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, now you get a hint? Okay, fine. And then Pomfrey. God, I love her. Pomfrey comes in and is like, oh my God, we had Dementors, now we got dragons. Uh, she's a Quinn, so we have to mention her. On the very, very end of the chapter, Rita Skeeter is like, may I have a word? And Harry is like, yes. I'll give you two words. Right? Fuck you. <laughs> That's basically what he says. In my censored version, it says good. <laughs> Where's the uncensored version? That's what I want. All these like illustrated versions, <laughs> fuck that. I want an uncensored I version. I want the of dirty Harry version. Where the dirty Harry, version. every other word out of Harry's mouth is fuck my life. <laughs> yes. I want the version where we Fuck, do... Fuck, I'm Harry Potter. I wanted the version where we do see Hagrid and Madame Maxine <laughs> fucking in the woods. And Harry's like, I gotta go. <laughs> and then he runs into fucking toothless motherfucker <laughs> over here. And he's like, this evening couldn't get any fucking worse. <laughs> That's what we need. Uh, but yeah, he does have that little thing to read it, which is kind of nice because, well, it. we'll get into Also, in, she in, like, I mean, this might be the beginning of this war from Rita to Harry. Uh, nice. I think you're right. Yeah, because she, she's been bested by a 14-year-old. Yeah, Rita's been fine in my eyes. She's like, give a word. He's like, yeah, goodbye, bitch. And she's yeah. like, oh, it's on. <laughs> Because in the movie, Rita is set up as being a... Well, let's get to the movie. She doesn't do shit in the movie other than that one scene. And I'm like, well, I need she to come has, back. Hang on. Before we get to the movie, fuck Mary Kill. We are going to fuck some dark detectors. Oh, dark detector. I'm Ooh. not going to fuck any of those. I'm going to have to choose one, aren't I? Secrecy sensor, snakeoscope, and faux glass. I'm going to kill a secrecy sensor. Mostly because I just don't understand about well it's about lion yeah i'm gonna fuck the sneakoscope because it's... because it's involved with neville in some way is it he had a pocket sneakoscope didn't he does he or no that's a remember all the, the sneakoscope is very useful but not useful early enough in the seventh book sneakoscope's like hey some bitches is here they'd be like oh no and then it's too late but anyway cool sounds fuckable to me yeah uh seventh book guys that's how it goes and then gonna marry that faux glass you're gonna tell me when my enemy is nearby guess what i don't have any enemies because i'm very lovable okay well i'm gonna also marry the faux glass especially after your description of it oh yes that's when i was like okay i can see this being like really exciting I'm gonna kill the sneakoscope because I was kind of like, eh, like they got a pocket version. It's not that great. The secrecy sensor, that's something a little bit newer. I wanna know when people are lying. So I'm gonna fuck the secrecy sensor. What about you, Brian? Yes. <laughs> How much wine have you had? Only a few, I'm not. Tara and I have had many, many. I, I have Chirac. You guys are very far ahead of me. What would you like to do? Remind me what the secrecy sensor is. So that's the thing that vibrates and buzzes oh. when there's like someone left. So Adam goes as vibrates and buzzes oh, and it's like, oh. Well, I guess Brian's so fucking gonna, that, I'm so. fuck that. <laughs> the secrecy sensor. Ooh, I twins. kill the sneakoscope because it can't make up its fucking mind about what the fuck it is. <laughs> I like it. And then I want to marry the faux glass. Yeah. Off the faux glass, it's great. The faux glass seems so like intriguing to me. And it would be a cool thing to have. So the moment where he confronts Cedric and tells him that it's dragons is back when we had the ferret moment. Oh my god, so this fucking movie is all it's over just, the place. This is where like we have the mess of the movie and it like went too far ahead and now we've caught up to it. So there is that. I think that in the book Cedric is a little bit more suspicious of Harry and in the movie Cedric is a little bit more of a gentleman. I don't want Not Cedric to be more suspicious in the movie but... We don't get enough time with him for him to just... Yeah, I don't To be able it. to have that. I think it's kind of nice to have Cedric be a little bit more fine with it. I mean, I feel um, like Cedric in general is just lovely. We also already talked about, like, Harry in the book in the movie seems a bit right. And, like, Ron and Hermione maybe being a little bit more bitchy in the movie. I will say that the way that it leads up to that... So, in the book, Cedric is going to class with his friends. And Harry splits his bag and then he, you know, has to pick up his books and he tells everyone to go along so harry and cedric are together harry is only
only able to pull Cedric about, you know, 15 feet away from his friends to tell him this information, everyone is like ridiculing him. Cedric has no idea what to expect from Harry in this moment. Cedric also says like, I didn't tell them to wear these badges. The other thing in the movie that was kind of important is that in the previous chapter, he goes and sees the dragons and Hagrid even says something, I think, along the lines of, well, Charlie's here. So obviously, like, Ron knew about him too. Ron was here. Right. He but him. he doesn't say that in the book, but in the movie, he does say that Ron yes. was there. And so after the Cedric thing, Cedric is like a very nice gentleman and everything. And then he goes and sees Ron and Seamus kind of coming out. And he um, like yells at Ron. And he's like, you're a git. You're right, get you motherfucker. He's like, I am, am I? Well, fuck you too. Basically. And then Draco gets turned into a ferret. And then ferret happens. Yes. And then and that's then when... And pulls Harry yeah. to be like, what are you going to do about this dragon? Right. Also, I'm taking my leg off because it's itching <laughs> yes. me. So Ashley, can we talk about, like, if he is under the effects of... <laughs> this is just for Ashley, but all for... This is also just for Ashley. If you're She'll not have Ashley... Answers. Fast forward a few minutes. So if he's under the effect of Polyjuice Potion and he takes his leg off as Moody, if he were to turn back into Barty Crouch Jr., would his leg just be chilling on the table and would a cat come and eat it? <laughs> That's what I need to know. Ashley, we can't wait for you to text me at 7.45 in the morning after I, I release this. Yes. Other than that weird thing where he takes off his leg, though, I like that scene. It well, kind of truncates, it truncates what he things. needs to say. He does have this thing about, like, oh, Fleur de la Cure is no more a fairy princess than I am. Oh, yeah, no, I hate how he, like, talks about the other champions. Like, yeah. Like, he's like, they can do shit that you can't, but you're going to be the best. And I'm like... Stop talking about the other champions. It's very strange. Like, and it's completely different than the book, too. Like, this would have been a great moment to make it the same as the book, since we have so many few moments like that. The movie's two biggest mistakes is showing Barty Crouch Jr. from the fucking beginning. That is a fucking huge ass mistake. The second one is making Moody suspicious as fuck. It just does such a disservice to the literal greatest plot twist of the series yeah soon after that we don't see of course any of the like akio moment with him and hermione which right makes we, sense. he just he just like goes to this thing and suddenly is like this is what i'm gonna do when you're like this would be another really cute cool. cut scene i think it'd be a fun montage scene yeah like there's a moment where in the book he has like a encyclopedia fly across the room or something how they added this rando scene where hermione and ron and Ginny come down and harry is with neville at the lake cut that fucking scene it's really only worth it to watch Emma Watson do the awkward teenager bit and you're like, you're very precious. Everything else is annoying here. And we already got her being like, it's not going to work. Cut that and do a fucking montage of Hermione teaching Harry. Warwick Davis fucking is in the goddamn movie. Don't put him in the movie not to use him to teach Harry how to do Akio and then him not be able to do Akio and be like, bitch, you got homework and Harry and Hermione doing a montage. That's what would have fixed that part of the movie. So they're going to show Snape and Filch all the time because there's also the moment of like Filch blowing off the cannon. Yeah. And when we watched it, I was like, this is another time of like, Mm -hmm. well, they have the actor. They just got to use him. Well, that's the thing is that you got all these big name actors. The way that Snape is utilized in this movie is literally just to be like, here he is. Don't forget he's here. They do the same thing with David Bradley. They're like, oh, well, we're keeping him in this movie which I don't understand why he's there. We've already paid the fucker some money, so I guess he's gonna shoot off the cannon, which is why I'm asking Warwick Davis to have another scene where he's like, this is how you do Akio. Learn that would have been a better use of it because Akio, I feel like he's such a big spell. It's just like suddenly Harry just knows it. Because that is skipped over, we go right to the tent. Even with Ludo Bagman not there, I do like this scene of them like choosing their dragon. There is the moment of like Harry sitting on a bed or something. Like there's almost like like, little cots back there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like there's little quarters in the tent. Even though it's brief, it does a good depiction <laughs> of his anxiety over everything. While everyone is doing their thing. Yep. We have to talk about Hermione being added into that scene. Oh my gosh, yeah. This happened last chapter where Rhea Skeeter put Hermione in the article and then she got all that like judgment from Bulldog right. bitch. And we don't get much of the article in the movie. We do get like Harry reading the article before he 
he's, he's serious in the fire. It looks like the article is about him. He crumbles it up, throws it in the fire. But we don't actually get to read any of the article. It's like teenage tragedy. And yeah. The, and which then is a terrible the headline because the tragedy happened years ago. Yeah. years ago. And in the book, it's got the implications of Hermione being his love interest or whatever. And in the movie, it's actually a lovely scene between Emma Watson and Dan Radcliffe where they're doing this, are you nervous? And, and whatever, and the tent between them. I think it's a very visually arresting scene and I think the two of them do a lovely job. It's just weird. You throw her in there and then she hugs Harry, which I think is a very valid response. It's just, again, not how it's written in the it's book. It's not how it's written. Arita's like, oh, young love or whatever. And I will say, if we're going to put that in there, I love Victor coming in and being like, get the fuck out of here, you bitch. I do agree with that. I like Victor I coming over. I love that. This is where the movie, it's one of many places where it makes Rita up to be more of a villain. Because like I said, she just writes it the way that she thinks that readers would like to hear it, even You're though it's right. lies. This makes her seem like she's more conniving. So I don't necessarily like it in the movie. Like, it's more to see Emma Thompson as Rita. That's the actress's name, right? No. Nope, that is Trelawney. Miranda Richardson. Oh, there's a lot of Emmas. I was like, Professor Trelawney is not in this scene. No, well, this she movie. should be. Because it's Professor Trelawney. Miranda Richardson is lovely in the role. And Sometimes like, we forget actors' names. It's more opportunities to bring her in, obviously. Her outfit looks great. Her hair is a mess. She's also wearing earrings that look like pendulums, which is also like a divination thing, which is maybe why I thought it was uh, Emma Thompson. (laughs) It's very unnecessary. It's a poor way of bringing in the Hermione love thing. I just don't like it. It also sort of replaces the whole Bagman thing, perhaps. Write in, tell us which actor you think should be playing Ludo Bagman, because he's not in the movies. Oh, also can we talk about, uh, speaking of actors playing Ludo Bagman, even though I find Ludo Bagman to be very creepy in this moment, in the book, Mm -hmm. I played this role in Puffs, Mm -hmm. so maybe it should have been me. I could have been the one that was like, hey, sweet baby, want some tips? How old were you when this movie came out? Like 23, 22? That's creepy. How old was I? Yeah, how old when this movie came out? What year? Mm, 2005? 6? 2005 is when I graduated from high school. 1819. I could have done it. I should be Ludo Bagman and then Tara would be like, Ludo loses every single chapter of this book. There is the moment I already said where he's like contemplating things and kind of getting anxious. When he walks out into the stadium, the egg arena, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the battleground <laughs> with the dragon. Arena. arena. Good word. It shot very cool. Like, I love how everything looks. But this dragon is not doing what it was doing in the book. It is not protecting its eggs. It's just like, I'm gonna kill oh, this it, Yeah, it's like, you did. Yeah. She breaks her chain. She and while she's chasing Harry around the whole fucking grounds, someone else could be stealing her eggs. That's right. She doesn't know that this is part of a driver's tournament. She could just have gone back and been this, like, oh, my baby's gone. This scene in the movie is so dramatic. Yeah. I mean, like... I get it, movie. But also, mm-hmm. way to create yet another task where the people watching are watching nothing. I said this exact same thing when we were watching it. Like they might be able to like see that things are happening off in the distance. Yep. Thank God for the first three champions whose dragons didn't escape. Also, yes. why are we not concerned and why are there not dragon handlers? Yes, there's no dragon handlers. He said oh. that, and I was like, yeah, you're right. Also, like, Filch is going to have to get up on a cherry picker and fix these fucking tiles on the roof. and Because magic doesn't exist when it comes to Filch. They're just uh-uh. like, no. this guy can't do magic, but do the things that magic people do Someone without magic. Someone paints a threatening message on the wall. This is a job for Filch. <laughs> a dragon destroys the roof. Job for Filch. Right? Flitwick walks by. He's like, I could fix that in two seconds. Oh, no, that's Filch's job. He's like, okay, bye. I I got papers to grade. (laughs) Job for the fucking squid. (laughs) Get up there, bitch. Also, I kind of touched on this earlier, too, but Crumb had points deducted for dragon destroying Mm. all of its babies. Mm -hmm. Harry destroyed the fucking whole dragon. I do like Hermione's reaction. She's really into it. She's Mm. like, fuck it. I love when he like comes over the horizon and she's like, yes! She's so lovely. (laughs) That's a good interpretation. And then we cut to the Gryffindor common room. And that's all we're talking about for this episode. Because the next part is they open up that egg. What are your points, bitch? Oh, 
Okay. Are you dropping more inside? No, I'm good. Usually I'm the one who's like, who won, who lost. You are asserting yourself. I appreciate that. <laughs> you look annoyed. I refuse to believe that you appreciate that. Plus 30 to Harry um, for telling Cedric and his tactics with the egg. Plus 15 to Hermione, McGaw, and Ron. Because Ron also did turn around. But like Hermione obviously helping him learn Akio. McGaw because it's McGaw and she's, you know, that mentor figure plus 10 to moody i don't know if you were around when i mentioned this brian but i am approaching the points in terms of if if it's moody moody's getting the points he's still on the book too as far as his lessons oh well also i'm giving plus 10 to fleur cedric and crumb because they all just destroyed their dragon not destroyed you know they defeated their dragons they got the egg they got the egg plus them to pomfrey because quen pomfrey what do you expect plus five to charlie weasley because charlie weasley says something in this chapter The only person who gets points taken away is... Ludo Bagman! Yeah! Ludo Bagman. Negative 10. a creep. He's creepy. He's Lockhart's brother. <laughs> that was a lot of points. So to recap, plus 30 for Harry, plus 15 for Hermione, Ron, and McGuff, plus 10 for Moody, Fleur, Cedric, Crumb, Pomfrey, negative 5 to Charlie... Er- <laughs> Not negative. No, Charlie Weasley. Charlie Weasley. You lost a thousand to Charlie Weasley. No, you got points added to me in the last... That was your last thing. No points added. Plus five to Charlie Weasley. Negative ten to Ludo Bagman. Next time we're going to read another chapter. What's it called, Tara? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to look. Tara is drunk. The point. House Elf Liberation, Liberation Front. Front. How did I not know that? This reading assignment for this session of recording was very long. And so I kept on being like, how many pages do I have left? And I kept going into the House of Liberation Front. I should have known that. So until next time, we'll see you for that. Bye. That's a bad ending. We can... What? We we can make it funny. Come on. Wow. That was really rude. I love you, you, my sexy babies. Have a good night. He's talking to me. Is that fucking (laughs) Ludo Bagman talking? This is Ludo Bagman. (laughs) <laughs> Ludo Bagman is like the, night, the night uh, on air personality for a smooth jazz station. <laughs> I'd I, listen. I should know because I used to work for one. Okay. Tara just wants to drink some Sambuca, so. <laughs> I have a half a glass of wine and we still have a Wow, of that's ironic because I seem to be well, let, me, let me fix that. Ooh. I'm such a good friend, I know. Pour that into my cup. Nope, nope, it's that's enough, to- that's enough. <laughs> don't drop the bottle. Don't drop the bottle. I don't want to be in like a magical you try this non-binding contract or something. Are you leaving me? No, I just, if I drink anymore, All right. I will not. We're going to end this episode. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by me, Adam Bowers. And published by me, Tara Corkery, and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please review and rate us five stars on your app of choice. And be sure to share us to all of your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Oh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Sometimes I update that. Basic Snitches on Instagram. Also, we have a Facebook page. And email us anything you want to or specifically answers to our questions on our segments. Basicsnitches at gmail.com. But don't send us dick pics, please. That's nasty. But do send us liquor. Thanks. Yeah. Aloha, Mora. Oh, now people can get into your house. They're on their toe. But they don't matter because now you're a water goblin. Bye. Bye.